What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. All of my fantasy baseball content goes out over there from my threads, articles, these podcasts. Everything is over on the Bird app, so go ahead and check it out. Today, what we're going to be doing is pretty standard for a Friday, pretty standard for most days, really. We'll look back on yesterday's top performers. We'll comb through the waiver wire. We'll see who's being added and who's being dropped. We'll talk about a couple of the best matchups that are taking place today on the mound. There are a couple that we teased yesterday that are going to be really, really fun matchups to watch. One of them in particular, but there are a couple that I'm I'm really interested in. And then because it's Friday, we're going to look ahead at some streamers for this weekend. What I typically do is I take one streamer for Friday, one for Saturday, and one for Sunday. This weekend, I think there's a lot more options that I didn't want to just, you know, back myself into the corner and say you have to choose this one guy, one guy, one guy. There's six guys that I've highlighted here. I think three today, uh, two tomorrow, and one on Sunday uh, that I think are all pretty viable options. And some of them are going to be more rostered than others. They range from about 25 to 60-ish percent rostered in your Yahoo leagues. I think it's a decent little mix, though. I mean, some of you guys are going to be in shallower leagues where these guys will be available. Some of you in your 12, 14, 15-team leagues are going to have to go for probably not as strong of an option there. But I think there are still at least five, six really good streaming options this weekend. So we're going to get into that at the end. But what we'll do here off the top, of course, is look back on yesterday's top performers. I think it's pretty clear that Alex Bregman takes the cake from yesterday. He had one of the best fantasy games of the season. He was four for six, two doubles, two homers. He scored four runs. He knocked in six. And just for fun, he also stole a base. Alex Bregman was a prime buy low for quite a while. If you look back at what he did last season, he was pretty underwhelming. Uh, 12 homers, 55 RBIs, 270 average. This season, for quite a while, he was also pretty underwhelming. And I know there was a time earlier in the season where people were not giving him away for free, but he was being sold at quite a discount. He's been a low BABIP guy for most of the season, but recently he has been ridiculous. Over the last month, what I like to do sometimes is combine runs plus RBIs. It just gives you one. You know, they're both kind of in that same category of You control it to some degree as a player, but there's things that are also out of your control when you get on base, who drives you in. So I like to combine them together sometimes, especially in my articles. In this case, though, I think it makes a lot of sense to combine them. So 102 at-bats this last month, 50 runs plus RBIs for Alex Bregman, 24 runs, 26 RBIs. He also has hit seven home runs, he's stolen a base, and he's batting 343 in that time frame. Definitely one of the best third basemen in, in fantasy still. I mean, he's not going to be ahead of guys like Machado and Riley and Devers and, and Jose Ramirez, although Devers has been scuffling recently. Right now, I might take Bregman in the short term, but he's really turned it around. I hope you guys were able to buy low uh, earlier in the season because at this point, we mentioned it yesterday, there's not any really any trade deadlines left. There might be some. I'm still getting the odd question about trade deadlines, and I mean, maybe some leagues, they just remove the deadline altogether. There's no trades to be made. Uh, But even if there were at this point, Bregman is too hot to really buy low on him anymore. But just for context, 343 over the last month, and for the season, he's still only at 264, just to give you an idea of how low that batting average really was. Let's talk about Zach Allen. He had one of his best games of the season, and he's been absolutely dominant. No earned runs over his last three starts, going to at least seven innings in all of them. Yesterday, it was in the Bay Area in San Francisco, seven and a third, four hits, and 12 strikeouts. He also did get the win. Gallon was one of my biggest hits in the pre-draft season. We talked about Tariq Skubal. I uh, forget if it was yesterday or the day before, about being someone that I kind of missed on. 
Uh, Zach Allen, I, I really am proud of myself for this pick because he was really free in draft season. Maybe not free, but he was really being picked late. I think it was like 160, 150-ish ADP. I, I might be slightly off about that, but it was definitely post-100. Last season, he was pretty damn disappointing. 121 innings, four wins, a 430 ERA. This season, in 132 and two-thirds, he has nine victories. He's striking out exactly one batter per inning, 132 strikeouts, 278 ERA, and a .96 whip. Zach Allen has been everything you could have possibly hoped for this season. Uh, so there's been a couple of pitchers over on the Diamondbacks who have been really excellent. Merrill Kelly has been the other one. We saw Bumgarner was pretty good at the beginning of the year, but he's kind of fallen off. But what we've seen out of Merrill Kelly and Zach Allen this season has been really, really impressive. Obviously, their relievers are not quite as impressive, but those two guys at the top of the rotation, fantastic stuff. Let's talk Brian Reynolds. He is turning it on at the right time here. He homered again yesterday, actually twice. He scored three runs, and he also drove in four. Over the last month, he has 15 runs and 14 RBIs, five homers, two steals, and he's batting 282. For the season now, I mean, his numbers are getting closer to what we saw last season. We're not going to meet what we got last year in runs and RBIs, unfortunately, and even in batting average. But he's got 20 home runs. Last year was 24. Uh, he has five steals. It was also five last season. You figure he'll probably end up somewhere in the 70-ish run range, probably 60-some-odd RBIs. Definitely, overall, a disappointing season for Brian Reynolds. But if he can really turn it on here at the end, we're going to forget all about what he did earlier in the year. He could be someone who wins you a fantasy championship. If you haven't really been banking on his production and still doing well, you maybe drafted him. Where was he going exactly? In the fourth round, I think, roughly. If you were able to get by and still do well without him this season, and now you've got him surging, uh, you got a really good chance to do well here in these last few weeks. And as we enter the playoffs, I didn't realize it, but some playoffs actually start next week if you're starting kind of early. That For me, I don't have any league starting playoffs next week. The soonest I have them is, I believe, two weeks out in my home league. Um, they start in week 21 there, and then in a couple of other leagues, uh, it's week 22. So next week is kind of soon for playoffs, but it is starting up. You're going to need all that production you can get, and Brian Reynolds has been providing it really for the last few weeks anyway, but even over the last month, like we said, really solid stats there. Let's talk about Adam Wainwright. He put together another really solid start in what has been another really great season for him. Seven innings, three hits, and seven strikeouts. No walks, no earned runs. Beautiful stuff out of Wayno. 3.11 ERA in 150 innings. Nine victories, 123 strikeouts. He's maybe not quite as dominant fantasy-wise as he was last season. The wins were just coming left, right, and center. He had 17 of them. The ERA and the whip are just a touch above where they were. Not enough that it really makes much of a difference. 311 to 305 and 116 to 106. Adam Wainwright, uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to retire or not this season. I kind of thought that all those Cardinals were going to retire. I think Pujols is done. Uh, I think Yaddy is is likely done. But Waino is still producing here. I wouldn't be surprised if he says, you know what, one more. Why not we go for one more? Now, maybe he doesn't do it if Yaddy's not there. That might be, that might be a factor. Um, but I think that he's definitely performed well enough where he, he certainly could pitch another season in the major leagues at this point. At his age... You can kind of start to fall off at, at any point. It's not really, uh, you know, forecasted. Joey Votto has fallen off like crazy this season. We didn't really expect it so much. At this age, it's kind of hard to predict, but I think he can do one more season in the big leagues if he keeps this up. He's keeping the ratios down. The strikeouts are not great, but they're not terrible. Pitching for a good team. Uh, I hope that we get one more season out of Wayno. Let's talk about JT Brubaker, someone that I have not been a big fan of this season, really, but recently he's been pretty good. Yesterday, now, 
I'll say this off the top here. He did leave with an injury. He had a blister uh, in the seventh inning. He had to leave. I think it was the seventh inning or after seven innings he had to leave. But seven innings, two hits, seven strikeouts. He hit a batter. Great outing for him here. I want to see what happens with this blister, first of all. Like, I don't think that he's someone you have to be rushing to add, regardless of this blister or not. It was a good outing. It's been a couple of decent outings for him recently. But overall, I don't know that we need to be jumping to add him, especially uh, I want to see what happens with this blister. They're not usually the greatest. Uh, It could lead to a couple of weeks missed. And like we talked about, playoffs are here, so you can't really afford to be missing any time uh, out out of your starting pitchers or anybody. So... Uh, I'm okay with dropping JT Brubaker here. He's not anybody you have to hold, but he did a really great job yesterday, so props to him for that. Let's talk about Jose Barrios, who is the hardest player, I think, in baseball to nail down what the hell he really is. Yesterday at Yankee Stadium, I had someone send me a question saying, should I start Barrios? And I said, hell no. But as I say that, he'll probably do well. That was my Those are my exact words. And he went six and two-thirds, gave up six hits, struck out nine, one earned run, and he got the victory. So I have to eat my words a little bit there. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that if I'm, if I'm wrong on that particular call because he's been brutal. Like, Barrios has been dreadful this season. It doesn't matter what he does. If he throws two perfect games down the stretch here, he's been really a huge disappointment. He still has a 539 ERA. He somehow has won nine games still. 117 strikeouts in 128 innings is a fall off from last season. Obviously, the whip is way higher. Huge disappointment, but he's still someone. Nick Pollock um, coined him the great undulator. He goes up and down. You don't really know what the hell you're going to get out of him on any particular night. And that's why I think he's really risky as we head into the playoffs here. Uh, Even in Roto, you know, these last couple of weeks, you need the best possible performances out of your pitchers. Likely, anyway, that maybe some of you guys have your pitching categories wrapped up. But some of you need, you know, top-notch performances here to lower your ratios, to get your strikeouts up, maybe get a couple more wins. He's not somebody that you can say with any confidence is going to be able to give you good starts. Like, he might have two more good starts this season. He might be great the rest of the way. It's literally impossible to tell with Jose Barrios. So in these matchups at Yankee Stadium, wherever else he has tough matchups the rest of the season, I'm not going to be starting him for the most part, unless we're talking points leagues or I'm really desperate and it doesn't matter what the ERA does anyway at that point of the week. Most of the time, I think he's going to be a sit for me. He just hasn't proven that he can be consistent enough to be trusted here when there's league titles and possibly hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on the line. I don't, I don't think that he can be the guy that you throw out there in the playoffs. Some matchups, if he has, you know, if he's facing Detroit or if he's facing somebody like that, all right, I'm not going to, you know, say he's a must sit there. But in these tough matchups within the AL East specifically, I'm not there. He's faced the Yankees, I think, five times this season. You just can't expect that they're not going to pick up on things. This was lucky. He did a great job. But I'm, I'm still fairly out as a whole on Jose Barrios and very worried about what these next six years of his contract are going to hold for the Blue Jays. Let's talk Andrew McCutcheon, who's actually been one of my favorite players to roster this season. 55 runs, 13 homers, 53 RBIs, 8 steals, and a two fifty three batting average. He hit a couple of home runs yesterday. Now, Andrew McCutcheon is still, you know, some people hear the name and you think, oh, yeah, he was MVP, Andrew McCutcheon, which is fair because people, you know, you do it with Yellows, you do it with Bellinger. It's just something that, that we do. You, you don't forget when someone wins an MVP award. He's not that player anymore. You can't have him on your team expecting that he's going to be that player. But he's provided top 140 value for the season. He's actually the 141st ranked player for the season. 
that's honestly excellent. Like he's just been really, really consistent across all five categories. A 253 batting average is not going to blow you away, but it's not going to hurt you. It's just pretty neutral there to go along with home runs plus steals and you know decent other counting stats. He's absolutely a must must have guy in five outfielder leagues, and I think in points leagues as well. I've had him in a couple of points leagues where he has really, really been excellent this season. Even in three outfielder leagues, I think that you can make an argument for him. It's a little bit tougher, but I think that he can be a 12-team guy for the rest of the season. He's just one of those guys where you don't really have to worry about it. He's a set-and-forget, essentially, at this point. He's not a stud, but he really provides a solid baseline level of production that it's, it's kind of hard to get consistently at this point in the season. A lot of guys are up and down. You don't know what exactly you're going to get. I think that McCutcheon makes for a strong add and a strong hold if you do still have him on your teams here. Let's talk about Max Freed, and we might as well just talk about the matchup that happened yesterday between Freed and Jacob deGrom. I was really excited for this one. It lived up to it. Uh, I watched. I didn't get to watch all of it, but I was watching bits and pieces here. So Max Freed, through seven innings, got the victory. Uh, four hits, two earned runs, and six strikeouts. On the other side, Jacob deGrom taking a rare loss, six and two-thirds, five hits, three earned runs, and nine strikeouts. Can't really be disappointed with DeGrom for that outing. Um, from what I saw, he was still pretty sharp, but looking at the advanced numbers afterwards, it doesn't appear that he had the same level of dominance that he usually does. Uh, the CSW is, I think, 31%, which is, for him, like brutal. For most people, very good, very solid number. But DeGrom is somebody who can put up in the 40s in that department. He wasn't quite as good. Now, I was expecting a lot of strikeouts. The Braves do strike out a lot. And nine of them in six and two-thirds is, is amazing for most people. I, w- I would have thought that he would get in that period of time over six and two-thirds at least 10 strikeouts here. It's a small quip, but it's unfortunate that he took the loss anyway. I'll say that from allowing just three earned runs. On the other side, Max Freed, though, uh, he did his job. I've seen him talked about a little bit as being someone who will get some Cy Young votes. He was. I haven't checked in a couple days, actually, in terms of the futures bets, but he was third in terms of uh, in terms of the NL Cy Young vote seemed a little bit high and I do want to check it right now just to make sure uh, that nothing has changed really and it might have changed a little bit but I don't think it will have changed that much here uh, bear with me for one second yeah he's still third in in betting for NL Cy Young it seems <clears throat> maybe a little bit high here um plus 2,500. I think that there are guys below him that are probably more likely. Tony Gonsolin is is a bigger long shot. Uh, Even Edwin Diaz. I I don't know that it makes the most sense as a bet. From fantasy perspective, Max Fried has been pretty much everything you could have hoped for this season. A 260 ERA, 11 wins, 133 Ks in 145 innings. He's excellent. I just don't think he's really Cy Young worthy, and I would not have thought that he'd be the third name on that list. I've talked about it a couple times this week. It's a little bit surprising, I think, before the end of the season. We'll see that move around. It won't It won't end up with him in that particular spot. Just kind of a, a curious one, I think. Let's keep it going with you, Darvish. He did what we were hoping he would do for the most part against Washington. Eight and a third, five hits, three earned runs, and six strikeouts. Now, you could make the argument maybe that three earned runs is... Not exactly what you'd want against the Nationals. It's not bad. I mean, he did take the loss because of it still. But for fantasy purposes, eight and a third, six strikeouts, three earned runs, you'll take that. That's that's a totally fine outing from you, Darvish, who I was pretty wrong about earlier in the season. I thought that he would fall off. The strikeouts have been falling down this season. Getting better, obviously, over the second half of the year. But just for context, last season, 166 innings, 199 strikeouts. 
This season, 148 innings and 147 strikeouts. So he's definitely fallen off there, but somehow the ERA and the whip have both improved. So you Darvish, for me, uh, one of the bigger surprises of the season, I think, at this point. Let's talk Albert Pujols. And, uh, man, I'm not going to say that he's an ad, per se, but this is really cool to see him doing this. Like, uh, I think, actually, some people have added him. Not that it's going to be a lot, but... He's up to 4% rostered on Yahoo. God bless him. Over the last week, he's the 14th-ranked player, and over the last two weeks, the 24th-ranked player. You'd love to see it. You just There's no reaction other than you love to see it at Albert Pujols. Uh, some people are, are buying into it. I wouldn't buy into it here. He's really not a regular player. For fun, if you're in a deep, um, you know, maybe a 15-teamer and you want to take him in as a daily changes 15-teamer, I'd go for it. You know, why the hell not? When he plays, he'll probably play against left-handed pitching for the most part, and you might have a chance at a home run. Now, recently, he's been on fire. Maybe he's really just trying to get to 700 home runs. At this point, it's it's pretty much impossible. He'd have to go crazy, or the defense would just have to literally just completely ignore the ball when he hits it and just let him run around the bases. But this is such a cool story for me. Like If this is how he ends his career, just on a, a crazy hot streak like this, which is, which is what he's been doing, uh, maybe he does warrant, you know, a daily changes deeper league ad. Uh, it would be, I don't know, definitely risky. But if you're in a deep enough league where you can kind of, you know, rotate in a guy and it doesn't really matter so so much there, like he's not going to be a ten or a twelve team ad or even a four team or or a fourteen or, but fifteen and deeper, I think that he makes an interesting daily changes ad. I never thought I'd be saying that at this point in his career, at this point of the season, but I don't know. I think it's a fun little ad in a daily change league. Let's talk about Andrew Heaney because he's someone that I've been out on and he was actually not too bad yesterday. He did give up three home runs, but he struck out 10 over four and two thirds, uh, walked one, five hits. Uh, he also hit a batter. I'm, I'm not in on Andrew Heaney. I'm still pretty out, but I mean, the strikeouts are, the strikeouts seem to be legit. They've always been good. Um, maybe if you just want to stream him in for strikeout potential opportunities and good matchups, then it's fine enough, I guess. Uh, I'm just still, I don't know, I'm very skeptical about Andrew Heaney after having watched him for his entire career. He's not that good. <clears throat> He's really not. Like, yeah, uh, he can he can get you some strikeouts. But other than that, I would not be expecting miracles here down the stretch. There's like, I put him still in that Dylan Bundy category. Maybe like a tick above Dylan Bundy, but that's that's still where I see him. I think that's still where a lot of people see him. Maybe... He's grown in a lot of people this year, but he's only thrown 35 innings. I mean, we can't look at this and say, this is the new Andrew Heaney. He's fantastic. I know that I've probably shit-talked him more than most players that I have this season. I just see the roster percentage is still so high, and people who held out for so long when he was on the injured list, like months. He didn't pitch from, uh, what was it, April 17th until June 19th, and then after that he missed another month. So it was like... You were, you were holding on for a long time, and I don't think that the return is going to end up being worth it for Andrew Heaney. Personally, I, I'm just not not there for, for playoffs like we talked about earlier. There can be thousands of dollars on the line depending on your league. Maybe it's just 20 30 bucks, but maybe it's like $1,000. I don't think Andrew Heaney is a guy that I'm going to put any serious amount of money uh, invested in based on something like that. So Poorly phrased there at the end, but you guys know what I mean. I'm not trusting Andrew Heaney in uh, in these playoff matchups come these next uh, couple of weeks here. Let's move on, and we'll talk about uh, – we'll go through the waiver wire. We'll talk about the most added and dropped players today. Now, the first one is going to be somebody that I am pretty heavily recommending as a streamer here today. It's Aaron Ashby. Now, you guys are going to be hearing this right around the time 
when this game is going to start. There are going to be a couple other streaming options. This is another reason why I wanted to have multiple streamers, uh, even just for today, because I think Ashby's probably the best, but by the time you guys hear this, um, the 2.20 hour will have passed. So, um, yeah, there's a couple of guys that I think are just as viable, maybe not quite as good as Ashby, but let's talk about him briefly here. So, over the last month, 22 innings, 25 strikeouts, and a 3.22 ERA. He is a huge, huge upside strikeout guy that you're really not going to see so much of on the waiver wire. It's something that we talked about on Monday with Dalton Delton. He was a pretty popular fab pickup from what I recall. I don't play in NFBC League, so I don't really go through the massive fab run on Sunday. Next year, we're going to play NFBC, assuming that it's all legalized in Toronto here because there was some bullshit. Toronto and Michigan and Iowa and like a few places where they didn't legalize it for whatever reason. Even though it's really not necessarily gambling, like it kind of is, but I, I, I don't understand it. Anyway, he was a pretty popular pickup in those formats and really in a lot of formats. He's jumped 5% over the last week, up to 31. He was at 22% rostered uh, even like a week and a half ago. So people are starting to catch on to Aaron Ashby here. Gets a great matchup against the Cubs. I would be pretty happy in, uh, in streaming him in here today. Graham Ashcraft is also being added against or added for his start against the Pirates tonight. He's been pretty solid recently, and I think he's also a decent option. He actually wasn't even one of my streamers that I picked out for today, but I think that he is an all right option here. He's nothing really to write home about low strikeouts, okay ratios, but the matchup is good enough where if you want to take a chance on it, I'm not going to give you so much grief. Brady Singer, he's also been added quite a bit today. Absolutely. This one, he's going to be featured in one of the matchups of the night. He's 64% rostered on Yahoo, so a lot of competitive leagues he's already gone, but make sure he's not available. Brady Singer has been one of the best pitchers in baseball over the last month plus, and I tweeted about him the other day just to kind of go over what he's done recently and just try and convince people to add him, essentially. So here are some stats for Brady Singer over the last month and where he ranks in those respective areas. Now, this is a couple things. This is for pitchers with a minimum of 25 innings pitched over the last month. It's the easiest way to sort on pitcher list. It's just it's just the easiest way to do it. And it's also a pretty good baseline over a month. If you're not throwing 25 innings, then you're not really going deep into games. And I don't really want to consider you anyway. Um, the second thing is that I'm going to say where he's ranked amongst other qualified pitchers in this time frame. Um, now, these ranks might have changed by a one or two because it's been a couple of days. But for the most part, this is what he's done over the last month. A 167 ERA, which is sixth. A 221 fielding independent pitching, which is seventh. A 34.3% CSW, which is first. 30.4 strikeout percentage, and he's only allowing a 184 batting average against. <clears throat> now, when I sent this tweet out, he was 57% rostered on Yahoo. He is now up to um, 64. So people, they're not listening to me, but they're definitely starting to figure it out that he's somebody who should not be available. Uh, really anywhere. Now, granted, he pitches for the Royals. Wins are not going to be coming in bunches here. He has six for the season in 104 innings, which is okay for this day and age. It's not bad. You can't expect a ton of wins for him. Now, his division is not the strongest, but uh, for the whole, you know, maybe you get a couple more victories. That's not why you're adding him. You'd be adding him for the strikeout and the ratios at this point. I'm all in on him for the rest of the season. He should not be available in a single league as far as I see it. Marco Gonzalez, he's being added because he faces Oakland today. I think that Marco Gonzalez is one of the worst pitchers in all of baseball, to be honest with you, especially fantasy-wise. 
maybe not in actual baseball, but I mean, we're not too far off here. He doesn't strike out anybody. He has bad ratios, not a lot of victories. I don't really like the ad here, to be honest. The only thing that really would make me want to think about it is the fact that he's facing Oakland at the Coliseum. So bad team in a nice pitcher-friendly ballpark. If you're getting down and you don't have a couple of these streamers that we're going to talk about, then I don't think Gonzalez is a terrible option, but he definitely wouldn't be the first guy I'd go to. We'll put it that way. Brett Beatty, he's still being added. He had another hit yesterday, a couple days in a row with a hit. Good exit velocities. Everything is looking really solid for him. He's going to have playing time. Eduardo Escobar is injured. Luis Guillorme is injured. There's going to be time for him in the infield there. So I've said this the last couple days, but he is a must-add player for me in 12-team leagues and above. Fran Mill Reyes, I added him in a couple of leagues yesterday where he was still available. He's up to 48% rostered now, and he had another multi-hit game yesterday. It seems like every game he's played pretty much for the Cubs has been a multi-hit performance. Now, I actually want to check this out really quickly. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games as a Cub. Three, four, five games where he has multi-hits. That is incredible stuff. Over the last week, he's the 52nd ranked player. A couple of home runs, four ribbies, and four runs scored. I think that he is, I've said this a couple times, I don't want to be repetitive, but I think I just want to drill this into your heads, that he's one of the best power upside guys, probably the best power upside guy who's still less than 50% rostered in league. So I would absolutely be taking a chance here on Fran Mill Reyes. I did it myself in a couple leagues. I dropped Christopher Morrell. Uh, it didn't feel great, but the way the Cubs use Morrell versus the way they use Reyes, I'd much rather have Reyes at this point. Cutter Crawford, he's also being added ahead of a start against the Orioles at Camden Yards. I think that he's a fine enough streamer. We're going to talk about a couple of those streamers uh, that I prefer better, but I think that he's an okay uh, back-end option here. I like him a bit more than I'd like Marco Gonzalez for what it's worth. Just I think he's a better pitcher than Gonzalez. Baltimore's done pretty well recently, but at the same time, I think they're they're playing out of their minds at this point. That's not really who they are. So I'm okay with the Cutter Crawford stream here over the last month. 28 and two-thirds innings, a 3.77 ERA, and a 105 whip. Only 21 strikeouts, but I definitely think that if we're going to compare him with Gonzalez in that same kind of range, uh, he'd be the guy I'd go to. Uh, a couple of guys now I'm going to pass over, and we'll get back to them later because they are going to be uh, mentioned amongst my streamers. That's pretty much it for the popular ads. Alex Wood has also been added up a little bit today, and while I do like the sentiment... He's pitching at Coors Field tonight, so I don't know that I'd be running to go and start him. Where I have him, uh, I think I'm going to probably be sitting him for this evening. Not the greatest place to uh, to start your weekend off for your pitching matchups, I don't think. So I'm going to be leaving him on the bench for the most part today. Uh, let's go into the drops now. We'll talk about some of the more dropped players across fantasy. Dane Dunning is number one. I don't think it's a must drop, but I understand it. He was more of a streamer here. Uh, He did his job against Oakland, six innings. He got the victory, four strikeouts, and he allowed a couple of earned runs. Uh, He totally did his job. But, yeah, it's it's fine to drop him. I don't think it's uh, necessary in, like, 15s, but in 12s, if you just streamed him in, uh, go ahead, by all means. Josh Winkowski allowed six earned runs yesterday in five innings against the Pirates. He was not somebody I was streaming yesterday, but if you did, uh, absolutely send him back to the waiver wire at this point. Marcelo Zuna, let's talk about him for a second, this bright light. He got arrested yesterday for driving under the influence in Georgia, 4.30 in the morning. He's already got the domestic violence shit, and he's been suspended for. Uh, he's just he's just a mess. Uh, I, was, I wrote an article a couple months ago saying that he was a great buy low because he had great power metrics. The lineup is obviously fantastic in Atlanta. 
I was wrong. I was I was totally wrong about him. Uh, he has not turned it around, and now who knows what's going to happen with him being suspended or maybe even released. Like I don't think it's out of the possibility that he gets DFA'd or gets sent down or gets just you know outright released today by the Braves. He has been brutal this season. I mean, he does have 20 home runs, but he's batting 214. I don't know that they really need him in that lineup. We've seen the way they produce players out of the minor leagues. Do they really need uh, Marcelo Zuna on the books? Eh, I don't know. He seems like a clubhouse cancer that I wouldn't really want to be having around my team at this point. People make mistakes, but it's a couple of really like egregious mistakes and you know unforgivable mistakes really at the end of the day uh, for a lot of people, for me included. So I'm going to be dropping him where I still have him. It's not many places, but he's still at 61% rostered uh, over on Yahoo. It's far too high. Uh, we definitely need to see that number go down. Now, will they let him back? Possibly. Um, maybe they say in the back of their heads, like it's better to just have him than not have him for the playoffs. Maybe he can pinch hit, do something, whatever. So maybe he sticks around, but uh, I think I'm pretty much done with him as a fantasy option. It's not like he was really producing anyway, and now this shit, it's just, I, I don't think that he's going to be getting a ton of playing time going forward here. So that would be uh, my recommendation is to drop him. He's been dropped already 8% today. He was at 69. He's down to 61 uh, I think that that number will just continue to go down and down. Andrew Heaney, we talked about him earlier. The strikeouts are nice, but everything else for me, I'm not a fan of. He's gone down from 72 to 65% rostered. I'm I'm totally cool with trading, or sorry, with dropping Andrew Heaney. I guess if you're still in a trade league and you want to try and trade him away, do do your darndest. But I, I don't think you're going to really get too much uh, too much luck there in trying to trade him if you still can. Lucas Giolito, one of the more disappointing players in all of baseball this season for sure. A 534 ERA for him on the year. It's absolutely brutal. He got pounded by the Astros yesterday. Seven earned runs in three innings, five strikeouts. Brutal stuff. Over the last month, he has an, an ERA at 739. Jesus, I like did a double take there for a second. Yeah, I think that we're getting to the point here where I'm going to be dropping him. Uh, I'm not fully there yet. I'm just... I tend to be a little more cautious with these things for the most part. Like Giolito, we know he can be a really great pitcher. The White Sox as a whole have been better recently. So there is part of me there, maybe foolishly, that's still going to be holding out on Giolito. I think he can turn it around. Definitely he can pitch better than what we've seen over these last, <clears throat> really for a lot of the season. But specifically recently, it's been it's been pretty dreadful. He had that nice five innings against Texas and an okay five innings against Kansas City. But other than that, it's been a, a pretty damn rough road uh, for Lucas Giolito as of late. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like you know scold you for dropping him if you were in like a ten or a twelve team league, especially ten. I think maybe he's expendable there. But in a twelve and deeper, I think that I'm likely going to be holding on to Giolito uh, at this point. Just give him a little bit more time to turn it around. And, you know, if he doesn't after another start or two, then then you drop him. But I think for the most part, we have a couple of weeks here before fantasy playoffs get kicked off. If you're really pushing to make the playoffs and you just can't afford it, then he's got to be either a drop or a bench. And maybe a drop for you guys. But for the most part, if you can, I would try and hold on here. Frankie Montes has also been dropped by a few leagues. Uh, it seems a little premature to me. He's been a little bit shaky, but he's also faced some tough teams. St. Louis is a tough matchup for sure. Boston... Not the greatest, but there's still a pretty decent lineup there. And then, of course, Toronto yesterday. I think it's a little premature to be dropping him. He's gone from 95 to 93% rostered on Yahoo. So there are some leagues, even today, 
Uh, so far, he's been dropped in 861 leagues. If you are in one of those leagues, uh, by all means, I would go ahead and add him up. MJ Melendez has also been dropped quite a bit. Now, he was absent from their lineup uh, yesterday. I think it was just a day off, a routine day off here. I've been pretty big on him for <clears throat> most of the year, really, since he's been up now. He's in the midst of a cold stretch. He's over his last 19, but... That catcher outfield designation, the good power numbers we've seen from him this year, for the most part, uh, for me, I'm also holding MJ Melendez. I don't think that there's that many better catcher options here in most cases. Now, if you want to switch him out for, like, maybe a Cal Raleigh, or, you know, that's about the only solid catcher option that I'm seeing that's widely available. Um, uh, For the most part, I think I'm holding uh, MJ Melendez. I don't understand why so many people have dropped him here. Luis Garcia has also been dropped uh, three bad starts in a row, but he's another guy I wouldn't worry so much about. He gives you pretty solid strikeout numbers. Pitching for a good team, he's going to win a lot of games. Uh, He's not somebody that I'm overly worried about. And one other guy who has also been dropped a little bit, O'Neill Cruz. He's been on a 2-for-20 and 5-for-41 stretch right now. Obviously not great, but the counting stats are there. The talent is there. Uh, If you can survive without getting much batting average from him right now, it's really a negative it's 197 for the year 188 for the last month um if you can if you can make do with that poor batting average i would do what you can to keep him on your roster specifically in a points league i think uh, o'neill cruz is is going to be elite in a points league maybe elite is too strong down the stretch here i mean over time he will be uh but definitely a more than serviceable option here uh in points formats going forward one more drop that we will talk about is Whit merrifield I completely get it. I think that he needs to be dropped. He's just not providing anything. He's not playing every day in Toronto. There's no value, really, in holding him. The designation of second base and outfield is really nice. Those guys that can flip-flop uh, between the infield and the outfield are are pretty rare. And it kind of hurts because we saw what he did last year, 40 steals, almost 100 runs. He's playing every game for them most for the most part. It must be pretty hard for him to have to you know sit out games because that's just not who he is. He's an Iron Man. And he's really not been performing so far in Toronto. He's still 90% rostered, and he's really not doing much for you anywhere at this point. He's two for his last 14, six for his last 30, and 19 for his last 80, which is not bad, but he's not giving you anything else really counting stat-wise. So Whit Merrifield, unfortunately for me, is going to be a drop. Uh, it's It's just the way it is. If you're in a really deep league, maybe you hold on, but he's not playing. He's not playing, and when he does play, he doesn't produce, so... I don't think that he makes a ton of sense here uh, to really to really hold on to. I do want to get into the weekend streamers now before we do the matchups. Usually I do matchups and then streamers at the end from what I can recall from previous weeks, but I want to talk about the streamers. So we mentioned Aaron Ashby for tonight. I think that, or today really, you'll be hearing this. Hopefully if you listen to it right when it comes out, you'll, you'll get this before the Ashby start. It'll be close, but I think likely uh, Ashby's probably going to be gone already. There are a couple other guys who I'm pretty interested in. Patrick Sandoval. Now, Patrick Sandoval is 60% rostered, so this isn't going to be for everybody, but if you're in a 10-teamer, there's a decent chance that Sandoval was dropped. And for decent reason, I mean, his whip has been terrible, but other than that, he's been pretty damn serviceable. 106 strikeouts in 100 innings, three wins. The 149 whip is absolutely atrocious for an ERA that low. Absolutely, no question. But he's facing the Tigers tonight at Comerica. If he was dropped... He makes for an ideal stream, like absolutely ideal. Wins are not going to be coming too frequently here, so you have a decent chance against the Tigers. And, you know, I would be taking the chance if you still can. It's not going to be a lot of leagues, but 
there's definitely some of them where he's out there. 60%, uh, he's fallen off a little bit here in terms of roster percentage. He was more in the 70s earlier in the year. And I think people kind of gave up when there's not that many better options. There are some better options maybe, but as a whole, decent strikeouts. Uh, I'm, I'm still pretty in on Sandoval, and especially tonight against the Tigers. I think that's a great option. The other option here is Cole Irvin. Now, Cole Irvin has been someone who's kind of been almost in the Johnny Cueto vein of doing really well, and it's kind of been just, how the hell is this guy doing well? Well, he's been doing well for a long time now, and he's got the ERA at 3.13. He's got a 6-10 and 10 record, but that's more due to the fact of the team that he plays for than anything else. He's only 57% rostered, a 3.13 ERA, a 1.05 whip, really solid numbers. The strikeouts are not there. 85 of them in 130 innings. That's not what he's been doing for you. What he's been doing recently is going out there and putting up six, seven innings against really good teams. Now, his last time out against Houston was not great. He gave up five runs in six innings. But he has faced Houston quite a bit this season, being in the same division as them. It was the fourth time he had faced them since July 10th. That's not even fair. And if you look at the other outings, six innings, the ERA was three. Six innings, the ERA was one five zero, And seven innings, the ERA was 2.57. In those three games against Houston over the last month, he won two of them. He was bound to have a bad one. It was not something that you were like, oh, wow, like, I can't believe it. Like, no, you, you definitely could believe it. One strikeout over six innings, it was, it was a bad outing. But here he gets Seattle. He's only 57% rostered. You might have got lucky. People might have dropped him in your league. I think he makes a great play tonight as a streamer and also in DFS. Really cheap. Uh, likely he will be in DFS. I haven't checked that lineup, but I think that he makes for really a great option tonight. Now, if I were to rank these guys, Ashby, Sandoval, and Irvin, it would be just in exactly that order. It would be Ashby, Sandoval, and then Irvin. But uh, see who you can get. Maybe there's another guy on the waiver wire who you're interested in that we mentioned earlier. Maybe Graham Ashcraft is somebody that you're interested in. Or maybe you want Marco Gonzalez. I don't recommend it, but maybe you want him. He's another okay option here tonight. But those are the three guys that I'm really targeting. Ashby, Sandoval, and Urban. Now, when we get to tomorrow, there are two of them that I'm really interested in. And the first one is David Peterson. Now, he's going to start during some point of the doubleheader tomorrow against Philadelphia. David Peterson, as a starter recently, I mean, he had a couple of bad relief appearances after they took him out of the rotation. But as a starter... He had shot up into strikeout numbers. His K per nine was something like 12 plus uh, for a good month, month and a half there. He was like a top five strikeout pitcher in baseball with a great lineup behind him and a lot of wins should be incoming. So I think that he makes for really the best streamer tomorrow in terms of really anybody. Uh, I'm going to talk about Reed Detmers as well because there are some leagues where he's not rostered. Most of them he is, most competitive leagues he is. But David Peterson is only 15% rostered on Yahoo. I was huge on him going into the second half. I was a little nervous thinking that what happened might happen and he gets sent down or moved to the bullpen, and both of those things did end up happening. But when he gets opportunities like this to pitch in the majors against Philadelphia, who's kind of hit or miss lineup-wise, I'm definitely taking a shot on Peterson here tomorrow. Great strikeout numbers, good potential for a win, good ratios. Well, the whip is okay, not great, but great, great ERA. I'm definitely taking a chance here on David Peterson. Now, Reed Detmers, he's likely already been scooped up. He's at 62% rostered, but I've talked about him many times on Twitter and on the show over the last month. 24 innings, he has 34 strikeouts, a 1.5 ERA, and a 1.08 whip. He gets Detroit as well tomorrow. Absolutely, this one is clear as day that he is a must-roster player going forward, and this matchup is just 
silver platter. Absolutely beautiful for streaming. A high strikeout pitcher at Comerica here. Obviously, the Angels suck and they don't win a lot of games, but when they're going to win games, it's going to be situations like this at Comerica. So that's Sandoval Detmers duo. If you can get one or both of them, absolutely, I would do it. And it's kind of funny that Reed Detmers is more rostered at this point than Patrick Sandoval. You would not have thought that would be the case a couple of months ago, but here we are. I think both of them should be scooped up, specifically Reed Detmers. Reed Detmers, for me, uh, he's far too undervalued. And there's another guy who I'm going to mention here for Sunday who is even more undervalued, and it's even more egregious, and it's Justin Steele. I put out a tweet about Justin Steele yesterday because I was just going through these last couple of months, really, and trying to see who the best pitchers were in baseball over that stretch, who was undervalued. And I I said to myself, I'm going to put out something on Twitter about an undervalued pitcher. I'm not sure who it's going to be yet, but I'm going to go through fan graphs and savant and baseball reference and pitcher list and all all the different sites and see what I can come up with. Justin Steele is probably the most undervalued pitcher right now in fantasy, in baseball and in fantasy. Over the last two months, he has been one of the best pitchers in baseball, at least one of the better pitchers in baseball, if you want to go all the way and saying he's one of the best, certainly one of the better ones. Since June 29th, 43 innings, eight starts, a 167 ERA, a 272 fielding independent pitching. He's only allowing hard hit 29% of the time, which ranks seventh in all of baseball. He's striking out 27% of batters, and he's only allowing a barrel on 4.3% of a bats. That's that's. That's amazing. Like he's done, he's done an amazing job here, pitching for a poor team and sitting still only at 28% rostered. If you do, just look at those Yahoo pages and don't dig in. He should still be someone who is pretty interesting to you. Over the last month, 25 innings, 32 Ks, a 107 ERA. Last two weeks, 16 innings, 24 strikeouts, a 108 ERA. I don't know why he's still so widely available. He's going to be scooped up as the most popular streamer for Sunday. I can tell you that. Like. Book it, write it down right now. He is going to be picked up ahead of pretty much anybody else that I've I spent like a good hour plus going through Sunday's matchups, trying to see is there anybody else that I would even want to recommend here. And there really isn't. Like, he is the guy. I looked at Mitch Keller, and now he's got this injury thing. I'm not even sure if he's going to start on Sunday. If he does, it's a decent opportunity at home against the Reds. But Justin Steele here is far and away for me the most attractive streamer on Sunday. There's nobody else that I really even think we need to talk about. He is the guy. I would add him up today or tomorrow so that you get ahead of the curve. I mean, if you're listening to this and hearing Pete talk about him, you're already kind of ahead of the curve because no one's interested. 28%. I want to check out what it is over on ESPN. Uh, when I put this out yesterday, he was 28 on on Yahoo. He's still 28 on Yahoo. He was 13.8 on ESPN, which is... Like, I don't understand ESPN League somehow. There are just so- players who are available who just absolutely should not be. Let's see what Steele's at. 13.7. He dropped 0.1% yesterday. Absolutely bonkers, ridiculous, garbage nonsense. One thing I didn't mention also earlier is in that time frame over the last two months, he's allowed the ninth highest batting average on balls in play in all of baseball. And if you go look at that leaderboard since July 29th, or excuse me, June 29th, there's really nobody else who has put up those kind of numbers if you're allowing that kind of a BABIP. I think Shohei Otani is in that same group of high BABIP but still good performances. It's pretty friggin' rare for somebody to have all these numbers and also be allowing a crazy high batting average on balls in play and still have success. Must roster, must stream here, absolutely. He's one of those guys who I put in that same group as Detmers and Kirby 
and I put him above Lodolo, honestly, at this point. Like, he's I, – I really like him. I really would strongly recommend an ad here. Like, the strongest possible recommendation for Steele. If I had to pick one guy that I like the most on each of these days, I'm going Ashby, I'm going Peterson, and I'm going Steele, I think. You could make the argument for Detmers, but he's already rostered in a lot of cases. So I think I would go Ashby, Peterson, and Steele as my ideal streaming trio for the weekend. Any combination of these guys I think will do pretty well. They're all really good matchups, good pitchers. <clears throat> Everybody we're looking at is about 20-ish to 60% rostered. There should be a mix. Even if you can't get all of them, you should be able to get one or two of them. Obviously, you're not going to stream six times on the weekend, most likely. You should be able to get one or two of them, anyway, to help you uh, secure those weekend matchups and head-to-head, which is obviously what I focus on here. More than the other formats, it's what I play the most, it's what I enjoy the most. So we tend to focus on uh, the head-to-head stuff, specifically here on Friday. Before I send you guys off for the weekend, we are going to look at a couple of the best pitching matchups tonight. There are a few that are really nice. I actually mentioned them yesterday, which is something I hadn't done here on the show before, but I was looking ahead and I was like, Jesus, these are some really good matchups I think people are going to be interested in if they're not already. I'm not sure the average level of interest in watching so much baseball. I know some fantasy people who don't even like to watch the sport, regardless of the sport. Like they'll, They like the points and they like the playing aspect, but they don't actually like to sit down and watch the game. So I try and put that out there as much as I can that you should be watching these games even if it is your starters in them or you know I know there's a big superstition about that but if your players are playing I don't think that's a reason not to watch the games you know how many people are playing fantasy and playing against these players and playing with these players and all the different things like I think it's kind of overblown this the superstition aspect of it if there's a great matchup watch the matchup if you're rostering to Grom you don't want to watch him watch him that's ridiculous like he's the best pitcher maybe we've ever seen. Like, I wouldn't not watch him because of, oh, I have him on my points league team. And I don't, no, like, come on. Like, if, if you're talking about a great matchup like that, absolutely you should watch it. So enough jibber-jabbering for me on that. Let's talk about the actual matchups. Chris Bassett and Aaron Nola at 7.05 p.m. Eastern time. That is a primo matchup. Absolutely must watch there. Not so much, um, you know, division implications. I don't think the Phillies are going to have any chance of coming back here. They're 10 out. Uh, in the wild card, they are currently, uh, where are they? They're actually in a wild card spot right now, the Phillies. They're one game in. So not really so much for playoff implications here. I mean, a little bit, but Chris Bassett and Aaron Nola, that right there is going to be fantastic. Lance Lynn and Tristan McKenzie. Uh, Rob Friedman on on Twitter, the Pitching Ninja, was talking about like the thinnest guy in baseball versus one of the heftiest guys in baseball. There's like 100 pounds of difference in their weight, and I think they're both roughly like 6'4", 6'5". Lance Lynn is like 265, 270, and then Tristan McKenzie is like a buck 65. Soaking wet, probably 170. It's just, you know, just optics. It's just a great matchup there. Like, McKenzie is really, really a skinny dude, and Lance Lynn is is a big fella. So that should be interesting right there off the top. But they're also, you know, on the pitching side and in the division side, there's a lot of different things that I like about this matchup. So White Sox are trying to come back here and win the division. They're two and a half out. Intrigue there off the bat. Tristan McKenzie has been a really solid performer this season. I've been kind of bouncing up and down on where I feel about him. But overall, he's been really good. And Lance Lynn, we know who Lance Lynn is. Uh, he was better last time out. He was arguably the should have been the Cy Young winner last season if he didn't get hurt. You could have really, truly made that argument. And I think he had the lowest ERA, actually. He just didn't qualify, just missed qualifying for um, ERA title because of innings uh, restrictions. But he was really excellent. He missed most of this season. He's starting to hopefully get into the flow of things here. Obviously, as a whole, it has not been great for him. 
He has a 562 ERA, but only a 125 whip. And I think that overall, uh, he's getting better, getting stronger as he continues these starts. So I'm in on watching this one. I think this one should be a lot of fun. Now, the main event. There's actually one more I'll talk about before the main event, just really quickly. Lance McCullers and Kyle Wright. This one should also be really good. World Series rematch from last season, Astros and Braves. Obviously, Wright has been really great. McCullers came back, and he was pretty good in his first outing there. Obviously, walking four is not ideal, but he went six innings, shutout, five strikeouts. He's a great pitcher. This should be a great matchup. Now, the main event, Royals and Rays, Brady Singer and Shane McClanahan. This shit is what I live for. This is I used to be a pitcher back in the day. I love a great pitching matchup, a couple of high-powered strikeout guys. This is this is it for me for tonight, guys. I'm not going out. I'm watching this. Shane McClanahan, um, are we worried? Yes, a little bit, but at the same time, he's still an absolutely dominant elite pitcher. These last three outings really have have killed his Cy Young case. It's it sucks, but he's he's played himself out of the Cy Young race, especially because of the level of competition over these last few games. Cleveland, Detroit, and Baltimore. You figure, oh my God, McClanahan is going to just wipe the floor with them. Like, we've seen what he's done against great teams this season. I remember that 10-strikeout game against Toronto. Like, <clears throat> he's, been, he's been excellent. He has been truly, truly excellent. Recently, not so good. I'm hoping he can turn it around here against another pretty weak lineup. I mean, five runs against Cleveland, four against Detroit, only two against Baltimore, sure, but seven hits and three walks. That's not great. That's not sharp. This should be an opportunity for him to get back on track. Maybe, maybe he can still get some Cy Young votes. I think it's Verlander's. Personally, I think that Verlander is going to win that award, but McClanahan's still got a 2-2-8 ERA. If he has a dominant last six weeks, finishes with a sub-2 ERA, Verlander has a couple blow-ups. We're, we live, I've said this a million times this year, a knee-jerk kind of reaction world here. Uh, we are all on quick reactions and instincts and what have you done for me lately. If McClanahan goes dominant these last couple of weeks, maybe it's not out of the possibility he walks away with some hardware. I think it's probably Verlander's, but... Matchups like this are where he's going to need to make up some ground. On the other side, Brady Singer, we already talked about him. He's been fantastic. He is an absolute must-roster player. Dominant strikeout numbers recently. Obviously, three strikeouts against Chicago in six innings earlier in August. It was the low watermark. But in those other games recently, 7, 6, 10, and 12, he's been great. Obviously, the Rays are a pretty good team. But offensively, their lineup doesn't really intimidate you so much if you look at what their numbers are this season. 22nd in runs. 19th in hits, uh, 20th in batting average, 21st in on-base, 24th in slugging, 23rd in home runs. They really don't scare you so much here. This is a fantastic matchup. If Brady Singer is still available, he needs to be added. Without a question, he's a must-roster player. That will pretty much wrap it up for me. There are a couple of small little announcements, as usual. Rob DiPietro is going to be the guest on the show next week. Hopefully, we're thinking next week. Uh, We're just trying to work out schedule-wise, but... I don't know how active you guys are on Twitter, but if you are on Twitter, you saw that Rob organized an NFBC redraft uh, draft champions league for next season. They drafted the other night, the first seven rounds of that draft, some serious degenerate shit. I love it. I'm all there for it. If you listen to Bench with Bubba, they were going through it last night as well, talking about some of the picks, their own picks, because Ryan and Bubba were both on, or it was Bubba and the Bloom. So Ryan Bloomfield and Bubba were both talking about their picks. Rob organized it. He put it all together. It was 15 analysts. They did the first seven rounds. They're going to do the last 43 rounds in, uh, I think, November at first pitch. I think in that time frame anyway. So we're bringing on Rob. We're going to talk about some of his picks, 
why he picked Edwin Diaz in the second round, because that's what he did. It was the first closer off the board. There's going to be some questions like that. Just generally talk about where we expect players to go next season. Is this going to be the start of patterns? It was a very bright room uh, yesterday, they were t- or a couple days ago, I guess, now when they did it. A lot of the best minds that you're talking about in the baseball, fantasy baseball community. A lot of great people were there. So it might dictate some ADPs for next season just based on early drafts. Things like that, experts, industry leaders, tend to dictate how the general public does their drafting. So I think this is going to be really the prototype for next season's drafts. I think it's a really important topic to start thinking about, at least in the back of our minds. Who are we drafting next year? Who are we fading? Who are we not sure about yet? Rob will be on hopefully midweek next week. We'll go through that. We'll talk about what he did to organize it and the players he actually picked and all of that great stuff. There will be some other topics in there, but that will be the main the main event uh, of the show with Rob DiPietro. So if you don't listen to his podcast already, the Pull Hitter Pod, great show. Go ahead, check that out. I think that he actually posted the entire draft. It was a Zoom call, and it's over there. So really interesting stuff to see where you would pick players um, now for next season. Now, how much is going to change in these last few weeks? Who knows? But free agency happens. A lot of shit changes. I love that they did it, and we're going to be talking with him about uh, all the details. So that will be someday next week. I'm not 100% sure, but you can stay up to date on all that stuff by following me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. All of my fantasy baseball stuff is over there, and another place you can find my content is also Ethos Fantasy BB. It's just our page for the baseball side at Sports Ethos. My articles and stuff gets posted out there, my podcasts, different stuff. We are bringing on more writers. So if you are interested in writing or podcasting about baseball, writing blurbs, you know, just covering the news, hit me up with a message on Twitter. Like I said, at JoeOrico99. I want to hear from you guys if you know how to write. Even if you don't, maybe we'll just do some podcasting, whatever. I'm interested in hearing from the public about any interest you guys have in baseball, fantasy baseball, or even other sports opportunities here at Sports Ethos. We pretty much do it all at this point. I was going through the wager pass the other night. We have betting for tennis. We have betting for um, like different stuff that you wouldn't really expect to see in a lot of wager passes, fantasy passes. We have a football in the fantasy pass this season. You're getting that stuff along with the basketball stuff. I think the basketball rankings are going to be out in the next two weeks. I know that Rhett Bauer, our dynasty expert, released his dynasty basketball rankings yesterday. That's for subs. But there's a lot of stuff that's free over there on Sports Ethos as well. And I think even as a sub, it's not going to set you back too far. And they really know what they're talking about in terms of dynasty, in terms of uh, my, not minor leagues. There's no minor leagues in the NBA. But in terms of G League and college players who are coming up, they know what they're talking about. So I would absolutely go and get yourself a fantasy pass over at sportsethos.com. You get the football stuff that's mixed in there. Obviously, my stuff is not in the fantasy pass. Next season, there will be some stuff that will be behind paywall for subscribers. There will still be a ton of free content. But right now, all of this is free. Go ahead and check out sportsethos.com. All of the great stuff we got going on over there is on the website. So until next week, we'll see you next time, guys. Cheers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.